1: welcome back to the dan prof show this is jim Uriel sitting in and this next guest is an old friend of mine who I, i respect his work so much i'm really excited to have him on It's brian westbury who's the chief economist at first trust advisors lp thanks for being here brian
0: Jim, it's, uh, it's great to be with you. really
1: great. Cool. Uh, and So, okay, so I think this is, like, when I started the show, I said this is a fortuitous day for me to be hosting this show because of what happened in markets yesterday. So, I mean, it, and everybody, it, what frustrates me is people walk around, they're like, oh, the stock market only went down 2 3%. What's the big deal? And I try to explain to them, no, the bond market screamed at the Fed and the federal government yesterday. They said you can't keep up with these cavalier currency policies. You can't, realistically, if you draw the thread, and again there's going to be a question here Brian I'm sorry you know I talk a lot I'm sorry. If, yeah. you, if you draw mm-hmm. the thread the bond market is really saying these these nonsensical lockdowns have to stop now and our economy has to get going is that what you read yesterday or no?
0: Yeah I'm Jim I am 1000% with you if, if you can be um, the uh, the, the 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 government has been following, you know, so we did the shutdowns and we spent $3 trillion and then we did another $900 billion And the Federal Reserve printed money, basically bought those bonds to pay for it. And it's what we call modern monetary theory. We don't have the time to go into every little detail <laughs> oh, I did already at the beginning of the show. <laughs> oh, I spent good. about two
1: minutes on it. But anyway, go on. Oh, yep.
0: Good, yeah. good. Well, here's my line on it. It's not modern. It's not monetary. And it's not a theory. It's <laughs> it's uh, the Romans tried. It didn't work. The Venezuelans tried it. It didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so, so what? What? And, and now, what's happening is they want to do this this new one point nine trillion. Well, guess what? The Fed is only scheduled to buy nine hundred and sixty billion dollars worth of bonds, which means the government has to finance a trillion of what they want to spend. The Biden administration wants to spend in the open market, and the bond market is is basically this is a you know a, a, the bond market vigilantes they're saying you're spending too much you're printing too much money this is inflation and then when you drive up that 10-year yield it's like kind of one of the most important yields in the world if you will then what happens is equity values uh need to to care need to adjust because we discount future profits at interest rates and the higher the interest rate is the less those future profits are work, worth so no wonder the stock market reacted negatively to that rise in yields well i
1: okay so This is what the way I described it, and I want you to comment on it first. I I think, just aside, when anything is when any asset is going through wild volatility, you usually can expect the stock market to have a difficult time. Anyway, they don't like uncertain markets. But what I said is the stock market is fine with inflation. What the stock market hates is when the they think the Fed is going to actually address inflation. They'd rather have an oblivious Fed that just lets inflation ride.
0: Right. Yes exactly there's kind of two questions in here from my perspective. Uh, let me go into our stock market model first and then come back to what exactly the way you uh, talked about it. So we use a capitalized profits model and what we do that means we take profits um, and then we discount them we it really in mathematical terms we just divide them by the interest rate. so if you think of it that way when the when the divisor when the when the the, the interest Interest rate goes up, the value of the stock market technically goes down, and so if if we go back and use profits that we have today, um, and then you gosh you go back uh, to July June of last year and the ten year was point seven percent, and do that division, I don't even want to tell you what it says the market is worth when you divide something by under one. Uh, it, it goes through the roof. So what we have always done in in the last year is use a two percent ten year treasury. So we've expected interest rates to go up. And so while the market reacted negatively yesterday, and, and I'm and I'm saying appropriately, um, it, we we the market is the stock market in the U S. In my opinion is still undervalued. Um, it would take over 2% interest rates before I started to get concerned. And I don't think that's going to happen. Now, the second thing on to this is the reason I don't think it's going to happen. Yes, the market worries when the Fed titans to fight inflation, but this Fed is oblivious. Um, Jerome Powell said uh, in in a hearing just the other day, the money supply growth doesn't matter. We need to unlearn. That was his phrase. Oh, my God. (laughs) unlearn what Milton Friedman taught us about the money supply. So it tells me that in the next year, they're not going to raise rates. They're not going to stop money printing. And therefore, I don't think we're going to get to that 2% bond yield because they're anchoring the whole yield curve and holding it low. Okay.
1: So I hope, and my listeners... Bonds are exciting if you're, you know, because this isn't a financial show, Brian. This is a show about a lot of different things. So I'm about to ask you a question that's going to be pretty nuanced. But people, this, this, the the things that are happening in the bond market are affecting us all. Without Stephanie Kelton convincing us that modern monetary theory was fine, we would probably not have had these massive lockdowns because the government wouldn't have been able to stomach the uh, the nasty economic fallout if we did that. But now I'm going to talk about the actual shape of the yield curve. When you saw. The further out, further than ten years, actually not the yields not rise as much. Do you think that there's a view in there that the Fed can step back in to support the mortgage market and start buying longer end, or what? Or, or what, what? else can I take from that?
0: In in the end, if the Fed keeps buying bonds, we're going to end up with inflation, and then just like the 1970s, they will lose total control. But you just said something really important, Jim, and that is it's the first that time. <laughs> no, you do a lot. Um, and uh, and by the way, everybody that's listening should follow you on Twitter if they already <laughs> don't. Uh, you have a million gazillion followers. But the, um, the, the, the it, it, without the ability of the government to spend $3 trillion last year and the Federal Reserve to print the money to buy most of those bonds, there is no way we could have shut down the economy. And I, I want to make a, another point here. You know, Bitcoin – is a, as a private money, you can only have 21 million of them, right? So that's the limit. And if, if we were on a Bitcoin private money standard, then the Fed could not have printed all that new money. And, and so th- this is one of the things that Bitcoin investors ought to think about, and that is that, that if it really were to become money then the government would not have been able to spend $3 trillion last year because the Fed couldn't have printed all that new money. And so all of this goes together because the government can come in, shut down everything, give trillions of dollars out to, to kind of paper over the pain because all we're doing is charging it on the credit card. And then the Fed can print money. But there are consequences to that. This is We're going to pay for this for, for years, if not decades, to come.
1: And again, uh, there's a book called The Deficit Myth by Stephanie Kelton. I referenced her before. She was kind of the, I mean, it's a, a little bit of an older theory, but she's kind of the modern champion of modern monetary theory. I like her. She's a heck of a nice person. She, she, I think she means, well, I just think she's wrong on this in discussion with her. I, in my mind, she's the Oppenheimer of, of current times. She's, she's unleashed and this Unbelievable powerful force, and she's going to hope that the federal government is going to do good with it. But they don't even, and you only have 30 seconds for this answer, and then we got to make a break. But they can't spot inflation. They don't know what inflation even looks like, do they?
0: No, they don't. And this is the problem. You know, they kept, there are a lot of people that go back, Jim, to 2008 and said, hey, the Fed printed all that money then, we didn't get inflation. But that's because we regulated banks like crazy back then. This time, we're begging banks to make loans, and that's why this time, it is different than it was in 08. This time, it really is turning into a massive increase in the money supply, and Milton Friedman taught us that mattered.
1: we got to take a quick break. We're definitely going to get back to this. Thank you for joining us. This is the Dan Prof Show.
0: Opposing political fakers, fixers, and takers. He's Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show.
1: Welcome back to The Dan Proft Show. This is Jim Urio sitting in for Dan. And I got, I'm all riled up because I'm talking with Brian Westbury, who is chief economist at First Trust Advisors LP, who I think is an extremely smart guy. And we were just having a talk about modern monetary theory and inflation. And Brian, I, I make this joke all the time. And I think I'm the only one who thinks it's funny. And I think that the Fed (laughs) uses the very sophisticated Wonder Bread, uh, uh, inflation index in which they call different grocery stores and ask what today's price of Wonder Bread is and then determine if there's inflation based on that. I mean, it's really, it's, it's pretty airtight, wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, exactly. That's it. I I like the joke. But that's exactly right. Because you know, here's the interesting thing. When you go back in history and look at the Fed, the the key time for me was the nineteen late sixties, nineteen sixties, and early nineteen seventies. And I know that there are probably a lot of listeners that weren't even born then. But this history matters. And and what was going on was inflation was picking up because the Fed let the money supply grow too rapidly. But then all during that time they kept saying, "Oh no, this is OPEC's fault. You know, they're raising oil prices or or this is just temporary. It won't last." And this is the problem with with having these models that they follow. Um they they claim, you know, that that it's always temporary. It won't last. And and then eventually by the end of the 70s, we had to hire a guy named Paul Volker, Volker to come in and run the Fed. And I'm telling you, people didn't like it because he jammed up interest rates to 20%, shut down the money supply and created a really nasty recession in the early 1980s. But that was the only way to fix the inflation problem that the Fed let go. and And they're doing it again this time. The Fed is doing the same thing. You know, history doesn't, Repeat it just rhymes because this is all different. We have the pandemic it 's not the seventies there 's no opec doesn 't have much power but but inflation is picking up, and they will consistently tell us that this is all temporary it 's going to go away and and there 's just no way you can print the m two measure of money, which is all checking accounts, all savings accounts, all money market accounts, all CDs, it's up 26% in the past year. I don't know a year in history that it increased this much. Yeah, and but you Jay can't... told us it's
1: no problem, Brian. Right? How dare you suggest right. that it's a problem? <laughs> I have a yes. qu- another it's... quick question for you, because when I look at the I, – I, is there a chance that over the last 20 years the invention of the Internet has in some ways obfuscated – the, the inflation and the way they're traditionally trying to look at it. Do you get what I'm getting at? You'll be able to. Oh, to, to you okay, good. So speak to that, please.
0: Yeah. You, on your phone, you get a map, you get an alarm clock, you get a camera, you get all, you know, all these things are now free and, and, and basically, well, they're not free. We know <laughs> that, but, but technically, you know, you don't have to buy a camera and an alarm clock. It's all on one device. And so, So what's happened is that the prices have come down, but but this isn't necessarily. It, it's not it, it has to do with prices, but inflation really is the reduction of the purchasing power of money. And I always think if you if you're going to increase the money supply by 20, it's like having a bumper crop of corn. All right. You know, if it, everything in the growing season is perfect and the silos are full. They're having to pile it on the ground. Guess what happens to the price of corn? It goes down. And and so when you have a bumper crop of dollars, the value of a dollar goes down. What it buys goes down. You, you can buy less. Oil, less gold, less silver, less copper, less aluminum, with every dollar today, and and that's happening this year. In this past year, all these prices have gone to five-year highs. Uh, we're we're seeing the impact of this money supply growth. Do you, and they're do you yeah, think do
1: you think they're trying to inflate their way out of the pension problems that we've talked about for the last ten years? Do you think is it nefarious? And are you cynical at all?
0: Yeah, a, a little bit. You know, uh, the the only problem is it doesn't work. You know, and so the whole point there is, I, I you know, I borrow a million dollars and then I deflate the value of the dollar, or uh, you know, by twenty percent, and then really I only owe you know eight hundred thousand uh, uh, or eight hundred million. I forget if I used a billion or a sure. million, but you get my point. Yeah. And and so so that's the whole point. It, it costs us less to pay back our debt, but here's the problem: it undermines incomes. It it inflation makes the government spend more, right? Right? because you have to have uh, unemployment checks have to go higher paper clips cost more and and so this idea that somehow we 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 fix problems with inflation it's never been true in fact inflation makes problems worse now they might argue that inflation makes their debt worth less but it creates so many other economic problems that i think they all balance out and then and then here's the, the, the one thing that the Fed always says is that we, we're in charge of keeping unemployment low, and therefore we have to print more money, we have to hold interest rates low until unemployment comes back down. Well, that would make sense if the reason unemployment was up was because they held interest rates too high.
1: Well, I thought we have yep. to take a quick break here, but I don't want you to lose it because I like that a lot. This is the Dan Prof Show. Thanks for joining us. Oh, that is English. That's the way you do it. Do it. Get your money. money for nothing. Get your checks We got some
0: install microwave. Customs. The-, the more you listen, the more you'll know. This, is, is this. This is the Dan Proft Show.
1: Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show. This is Jim Urio, and I'm talking to Brian Westbury. He's the chief economist at First Trust Advisors LP, and we're talking about inflation. We're talking about the Fed's mandate and how they're going at that mandate. The question I asked him that got him on an interesting role was I was wondering if they were trying to inflate away pension obligations. Because, again, Brian and I both live in Illinois. We're both Chicagoans. We look at the math. Of Illinois' pension problems, and we know that it just flat out doesn't work and it can't possibly work. But in, the Fed might be doing that, you said, Brian, but you think it's a mistake. Can you elaborate?
0: Yeah, I do. I think, you know, if if you're going to inf- inflate money supply, which which means reduce the value of a dollar, then then yes, guess what? You have to pay, you know, future cheaper dollars to buy back the debt you issued before. And so, technically, inflation reduces the real what we call the real cost of debt. The the problem I have is that when you have inflation, you in you Force government spending to increase. Um, you know, just the price of paper clips, paper, air travel, everything goes up. Built heating buildings, all of that stuff, and and so you increase the. You have to raise teachers' pay to to fix the inflation problem for their incomes, and and so it 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 is not a you just because the debt is cheaper to repay doesn't mean you created more problems. And I also believe that when economies have higher inflation, you end up with higher unemployment and slower growth, and. and and so, in other words, the damage that inflation causes offsets any of the benefits of reducing the value of money and letting you pay back in cheaper dollars.
1: Okay, so it's the end of February. The weather's starting to break in Chicago. We're seeing – you know, I'm in the restaurant industry too, which, by the way, you haven't been to my restaurant. It's in Palatine. It's not too far of a drive from you, and you'd like it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and I'll yeah. even, I'll even buy you – No, I won't buy you anything. No, I'm just kidding. I'll
0: buy you dinner, which is I've never uttered those words before. I I am coming to your restaurant. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Good. So um, I've I've seen people starting to come out, and it seems like it actually just started within the last few days as the sun came out. I guess what I'm getting to here is this. When you look at our path forward and you look at mid-April, mid-May, even mid-June, are you seeing an explosion in economic uh, activity that you think is going to come from – the consumer just from being pent up for the last year? And in, in July, are we done with this whole chapter in our lives?
0: I actually do believe so, Jim. And I know people say you're crazy. Um, and I also know and I think, you know, everybody that's listening knows that there are people out there who are going to wear masks for the next three years, two masks, three masks um, They, the, you know, they, they just won't go back to normal. But I believe a vast majority of people will. A um, couple of things here real quick. Um, If you take the number of people that have had COVID, uh, and this is from CDC estimates, they estimate that there are four people um, that have it or have had it for every one that tested positive, and then you add in the the vaccines that we've already introduced into people's arms, and you put all that together, we're at basically fifty percent immunity or at least partial immunity from COVID. By the end, by the middle of April, we'll be way over seventy, and we're going to be at herd immunity. I, I think people are looking at hospitalization numbers, death numbers, case numbers; they're all coming down, and people. Can't wait to get out. I just uh, listened to the uh, conference call, earnings call for for Ticketmaster. Uh, the other, they actually got bought by somebody, but entertainment, somebody, but. Ticketmaster said they're working with states right now to get back to 75 to 100% capacity in venues by the end of this year. Already in the U.K., uh, they've, they've sold out three festivals, 100,000 people, 70,000 people. All this happened within 48 to 72 hours. Uh, they, 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 in other words, we're seeing people around the world that want to get out. And i got to tell you, when I listened to that uh, Ticketmaster call, I got excited because I can't wait to go to a live concert. Or, or a live sporting event. And I think there are a lot of people like that. And so what this also says is why are we spending 1.9 trillion? We're almost there. And and I and, and my belief is jamming through 1.9 trillion will end up Put, putting pain on future generations rather than just getting us to opening because we're almost there. Vaccines are doing it.
1: Yeah, the bond market agreed with you certainly yesterday. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? We don't even have to offer an opinion on that. The bond market was very clear on that opinion, and that 1.9 trillion is too much, and that we're right on the cusp of just breaking open. Yeah, I, I you know I've already got tickets for a Kenny Chesney concert at uh, in the city. What's that venue right across Michigan Avenue in the big park? You know, I'm not. The-
0: Oh yeah, uh, Millennium Park. Yeah, right? no, the, the
1: the one that used to be Meigs Field. There's a,
0: a you know, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, Maggie Daley Field. Or I love like that place, yeah. and I, th- yeah. I think uh-huh. my daughter
1: bought the tickets. I think that's what we're seeing. So uh, so it's going to be great. I'm sorry that it devolved into Chicago talk here for you non-Chicago <laughs> listeners. Actually, I'm not really that sorry. Okay, so mm-hmm. so the, the equity market. You said before that you think it's still extremely undervalued. Is there sectors that you guys are looking at specifically that should outperform in the regrowing uh, economy trade?
0: Yeah, I mean, clearly, I mean, this is not rocket science at all. Uh, clearly, you know, you think about airlines and cruise ships and uh, movie theaters, you know, the, as these open up and as they get back to, you know, to normal, we're we're going to see an explosion in earnings because they've just been crushed, right? Uh, so that those areas will help. But I think the the, the high tech companies they had, eight I used to say eight years of growth in eight months. I guess you could now go ten years of growth in ten months. They've I think they've seen their really rapid growth. I don't think they're going to shrink. So I wouldn't go short tech. Right, but I would expect the value side, industrials, energy companies, uh, materials companies, that'll be beneficial uh, for with inflation as well. But the the cyclical side, what we a lot of times call value today, it's stocks that have fallen behind. I think they're going to catch up. So I think the broad market is still cheap. Um, but I think the biggest gains are going to be not in tech. I'm not saying tech's going to fall. I just think the rest of the market will catch up.
1: We and we only have a. A minute left at the beginning of this year I bought energy and I bought banks. My theory on banks was that they were going to like higher rates and a steeper yield curve. Um, I, have I just been lucky or was I smart?
0: Nope, you were smart. That's my favorite answer. I did the same thing. I guess I just call myself smart too. But that's what we were telling everybody is they're just cheap and the inflation's coming. So that long-term rates would go up. The yield curve, the difference between long and short rates, would widen, which is how banks make money. Uh, the price of oil would go up. That will help energy companies. And I still think we have a ways to go. And then don't forget these materials companies. I mean, you know, it, you could go buy a ton of copper if you want, but why not buy uh, a company that makes a 1,000 tons of copper every week? You know, and then you, you, you take the price of copper that, you know, has increased times a 1,000, and that's more profit. So you're, you, in a sense, you're leveraged in your commodity play.
1: I love talking to you, Brian, because I do like you're your naturally enthusiastic and you're smart and can break it down really well. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure.
0: Jim, thanks so much for. Lead up He's for the mind, he's for the show, lead up with Listen to podcast of the show at damprofshow.com